You might have heard of Gabriel, or Michael, when you think about the angels mentioned in Scripture. But, the most frequently appearing angel of all in the Bible is not even given a name. Or is he? Find that out today on the Cross References Podcast. I'm super excited to be with you today as we kick off a new podcast show. I was hoping it could be a video podcast here on YouTube, but I don't quite have the technical equipment to get that going just yet. So for now, it's going to be audio only. I'll put it on YouTube as audio only. Also stick it on Apple Podcasts and hopefully all the other major podcast platforms as well. But I want to briefly tell you about me and my goals for this show. My name is Luke Taylor. I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. My first job when I turned 17 was at a Christian radio station, and I've been so blessed to get to work and volunteer with various ministry organizations ever since, including at the church where I serve now. So hopefully, you who are listening are a Bible reader like me. If not, you need to turn this off and go read your Bible before you listen to a Bible study podcast, because there's nothing I can say that's going to be more profound than what you can read in Scripture. However, my goal for this show is to give you insights into Scripture and ancient history that will help unlock the Bible for you. And when I say unlock the Bible, here's what I mean. Scripture is dense with information, like thick. Every sentence packs so much meaning, and half of it we just kind of read over without stopping to digest what it's actually saying. If something doesn't make immediate sense or sounds confusing, or if it refers to a location or cultural tradition that we're unfamiliar with, 90% of the time we just read on without pausing to chase down what it means. And that's understandable. If we chase down every rabbit trail, we'd only have time to read a few verses a day before we exhausted ourselves. So I'm going to exhaust myself for you. I'm going to start these lessons to investigate all those nuggets and explain them here. And our hope is that the next time you read your Bible, you're going to start seeing these things pop out at you and make more sense than ever before. This podcast will answer some of your lingering questions, revolutionize your Bible reading, give you a higher view of scripture than you ever had before, and most importantly, make you more personally familiar with our amazing God. So, welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a newbie Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. So today we're going to talk about the angel of the Lord. That's angel of the Lord with a the in front of it. And that's very important for reasons that I'll explain in a minute. We're familiar with some of the named angels in scripture, like Gabriel or Michael. But there's one angel who tends to show up more than any other. And yet this one has no specific name. He's only referred to as the angel of the Lord. Now, I assume you've all had a first grade education if you're listening to this show. So you know the difference in the and an. When I say I'm going to eat an Oreo cookie, it means I'm going to eat no particular Oreo, just one of many. But if I said I'm going to eat the Oreo cookie, it implies that there's just one specific Oreo I'm going to eat. Or perhaps that there's only one Oreo cookie left, and I'm going to eat that Oreo before my wife does. And don't tell her I did, 
or tonight I might be sleeping in the garage. We mean different things when we decide whether to use the word the or an before a word. We're implying whether we mean a random one out of many or whether we mean a specific one. And in several passages of scripture, we encounter this angelic figure known as the angel of the Lord. Since there's always a the present when this angel shows up, it means that it's always referring to one specific angel. And this one angel is quite different from the other angels, as we'll see in a minute. There are some qualities about this angel that set him apart from the rest. And yet, as special and unique as the angel of the Lord is, we're not given his name. Or are we? We'll answer that question today, too. If you're reading through the Bible starting at page 1, the first place you're going to encounter this figure of the angel of the Lord is in Genesis 16. I'd like to begin at the book of Judges, which is a book that seems to have the angel of the Lord several times for a book that's only 21 chapters. In Judges 6, the angel of the Lord meets up with Gideon, and this is the first time we meet Gideon. I want to point out a few things from this encounter. And so if you're following along, you can turn in a Bible to Judges 6. I'm going to read some verses from the ESV version of the Bible, starting at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Okay, so in these verses, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and initiates a conversation with him. At this point, I'm not sure if Gideon knows that he's talking to an angel. He uses the phrase, my Lord, when talking to him, but that's probably just a formality. He doesn't even capitalize it in the ESV. And Gideon also seems to speak about God a bit flippantly here without much respect. So I think Gideon is not aware of who he's talking to. And you might have picked up on this, that when angels appear in the Bible, many times, they're just referred to as a man. So this tells us that angels generally appear to look like regular human beings. For example, at the end of the book of Mark, the women are visiting Jesus' empty tomb. And it tells us that there was a man sitting inside who told them that Jesus had risen. Well, we know that it was actually an angel sitting there, but to these women, they just saw a man. The book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 13 that we may have met angels before, totally unaware of who we were talking to. And that seems to be what's going on with Gideon here. He's talking to an angel unaware. And not only that, but it's the angel of the Lord. Now let's keep reading, and I want to tell you in a few moments who I think this angel is. In verse 14 it says, And the Lord turned to him and said, and hold up there for just a second, did it just say, the Lord turned to Gideon? It sure did. A minute ago it was the angel of the Lord, and now it's just the Lord. You actually see this commonly when the angel of the Lord appears. The angel quickly becomes interchangeable with God himself. And we'll see that as we go on. So here's my first big claim I'm going to make today. I believe that the angel of the Lord is God himself. And this is the first reason. The Bible uses the angel of the Lord and simply the Lord interchangeably. So I'm going to give this as the first reason that the angel of the Lord is God himself. And maybe you're wondering that if, if the angel of the Lord is already God, why would it call him an angel? And I will explain that later, but I just want to go ahead and tell you now so you can be thinking about this as we explore all the verses today, that I believe the angel of the Lord is God. 
And there's a reason, though, that he's not simply just called God. There's something special about this appearance of God. So again, I, I, the first reason I think the angel of the Lord is God is that the Bible uses the angel of the Lord and simply the Lord interchangeably. And the second reason that the angel of the Lord is not a mere angel but God himself is that he speaks as if he is God, not as if he's delivering a message for God. Here's what he said to Gideon, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Notice the first person aspect of his dialogue. He speaks as if he's God personally. And I think that's how Gideon takes it, because look at what he says next in verse 15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, which by the way, it's a capital L Lord now. Gideon's tune seems to have changed a bit when addressing this angel. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If I have now found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you, and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon is asking the angel if he can make an offering to him. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, the broth he put in a pot, and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and unleavened cakes and put them on the rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. So the angel touched the meat and the cakes and a fire sprang up, giving meat and cakes to God or a God. That's a common Old Testament act of sacrifice or worship. You see it in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. You can look at Jeremiah 44, 19. So this is the third reason I'm going to give you today that I believe the angel of the Lord is God, is that he accepts sacrifice. That's reason number three today. He accepts sacrifice. And not only just in this passage, um, let's flip ahead a little bit to Judges 13. Because in this passage, the angel of the Lord appears to the parents of Samson. And in case you're not aware, Samson does have a few chapters devoted to his story in the Bible. There's actually an entire chapter just about his parents in the book of Judges. So in Judges 13, the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's parents and tells them that they're going to have a boy and that he's going to be a Nazarite. He tells them about all that. And Samson's dad asks to feed the angel of the Lord a meal. The angel of the Lord says he won't eat a meal, but he will accept a sacrifice. In verse 17 of that chapter, And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. The angel of the Lord doesn't give his name. He just says, It is wonderful. It's a very mysterious answer. And we do see angels like Gabriel and Michael being named. So why not this one? Well, I'm going to explain why I think this is, and I'm going to go ahead and make my second big claim of the day. You know, my first one was that I believe the angel of the Lord is God. That was my first big claim. But here's my second one. It's a little bit more specific. More specifically, I believe that this angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. And let me explain what I mean by pre-incarnate. When Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem, that was the incarnation of God. So anytime Jesus appeared on this earth before he was born as a baby, that's considered a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. It's an appearance of Jesus before the New Testament. That's actually what I think is going on here. 
And now you might say, well, why would it need to be Jesus specifically and not just God the Father? Well, I'll tell you why. It does say clearly in the Bible that no one can see God and live. It says that in Exodus 33:20. And yet sometimes it does seem that God is manifesting on earth in ways that people can see. So what are we to do with these manifestations of God on earth that people are able to see and interact with? Well, we have a name for that. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is God manifested in flesh and blood, walking on this earth. God the Father is not able to be viewed by sinful man. The sinful man would die merely looking at God. But God has a way that he can interact directly with humanity on earth. He comes in the form of God the Son. So not only do I believe that the angel of the Lord is God, but I believe he's specifically God the Son. And as a Christian, I believe that Jesus literally is God. I believe in the Trinity, that our God is in three parts. And these three different parts seem to interact with humanity in their own unique ways. Uh, Judges for You by Tim Keller. I like this quote from it. It says, The only explanation that makes sense is that we have here an indication that our God is nonetheless multipersonal. We have a deep hint of the Trinity. Uh, Talking about those verses there in Judges 13. So back to Manoah and the angel of the Lord. The angel here says that his name is Wonderful. It's a Hebrew word, pila or pili. And I want to give you another place where it shows up in Scripture. If you go to Isaiah 9, verse 6, you read these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Oh, you hear this at Christmas, don't you? And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus' name shall be called Wonderful. It's that Hebrew word, Pila or Pili. And the, the angel of the Lord also says that his name is Wonderful. Now, it could be a coincidence, but I think it's a clue. Now, back to Judges 13 with Manoah. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. So that was Judges 13, verses 19 and 20. Not only do they offer a sacrifice to the angel of the Lord, they fall down and worship to him. And it reminds me of a scene with John and an angel in Revelation 19. In Revelation 19 and verse 10, John is so overwhelmed by seeing the return of Christ futuristically that he falls in worship at the angel's feet. And this is just a regular angel right here. But I want you to look at how the angel responds in Revelation 19.10. John writes, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So falling at someone's feet is characterized as an act of worship. Manoah and his wife fell on their faces before the angel of the Lord. And he didn't say this to them. He doesn't correct them. And I just think if he was just a regular run-of-the-mill angel, I think he would have said something about the worship, like the revelation angel told John. So I'm going to take this as a fourth clue that the angel of the Lord is God. He accepts worship. And this is kind of a duplicate of the previous, where I said he accepts sacrifice. Sacrifice is also a form of worship. And I want to give you another example of why I think this angel is God. Uh, Go ahead and turn to Exodus 3. This is one of the most familiar passages of Scripture. It's the burning bush. If you ask any Christian who is talking to Moses in the burning bush, any Christian would tell you the correct answer, that it's God. 
But let's read what the verse actually says. Starting at the beginning of Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So once again, the angel of the Lord appears right here in this passage, and yet it is still God speaking. God is interchangeable with the angel of the Lord. And here's one more big clue about the angel's identity. In verse 5, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So the angel of the Lord in the burning bush declares this to be holy ground. Now, it's not holy because of anything in the physical properties of the space. It's holy because of God's presence. I want to connect this with another supernatural being who shows up a few books later. This is in the book of Joshua in chapter 5. And Joshua is getting ready to fight for Jericho, and he's visited by this interesting figure who's not called the angel of the Lord, but he's called something else. In Joshua 5.13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man. Let me pause there. This is an angelic or supernatural being, but just notice that he's referred to as a man, just like the other angel appearances in the Bible. And, okay, continuing in the verse, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Again, this figure accepts worship, unlike the angels. And I don't think this is an angel in the sense that we usually think of an angel being. Continuing in the verse, said, he said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So this is another appearance of God, I believe, manifested in a human form, the same God who is the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, who I believe is Jesus Christ. Now I'm winding down, but I just want to look at two other places where we see someone similar to this figure. Uh, the commander of the Lord's army is said to be standing with a sword drawn in his hand. There's a Hebrew phrase for that. I'm not going to pretend I know how to say it correctly. Uh, it looks kind of like Harbo Shalufa Bayado. Again, I'm not saying that correctly, but it's just a unique phrase. It means with a sword drawn in his hand. That phrase only shows up in two other places in Scripture. Both of those places are talking about the angel of the Lord. So I'm going to flip over to Numbers 22, and this is the story of Balaam who's riding through the, the canyon or up the mountain or whatever with his donkey. And if you remember, the angel of the Lord appears there, ready to kill Balaam. It says in verse 23, And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand. There's that Hebrew phrase again, with a sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. So Balaam is literally about to be killed by none other than the angel of the Lord. But his donkey ends up saving him. The other occurrence of that phrase I was talking about with a sword drawn in his hand 
The other occurrence is in 1 Chronicles. This is when King David takes a census of Israel against God's wishes. So God sends a plague on the land as a punishment for this rebellion. And David sees the angel of the Lord bringing the plague. 1 Chronicles 21.16 And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. And in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. So to give you one more reason, I think that this angel is specifically Jesus. We see that same Hebrew phrase in regards to the commander of the Lord's army. We see it in the story of Balaam, and we saw it again right here. Uh, To give you one last reason that I think this angel is specifically Jesus, it's not because of where he is, but because of where he isn't. He disappears when the Old Testament concludes. He shows up all the time in the Old Testament, from Genesis up to the book of Zechariah. But in the New Testament, the angel of the Lord is nowhere to be found. Or is he? Actually, I'd say he is. He shows up in the very first chapter of Matthew, and he's somewhere in every chapter after. He is Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully we're on the same page at this point about the angel of the Lord being God in a human form. And I also hope you're with me on this not just being God in general, but specifically the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. But here's an objective I can see you having. You might say, isn't an angel a certain type of supernatural being that's different from God? And to answer that, you know, I think this is something we'll probably talk about in future episodes, the nature of angels and the supernatural realm. But I just want to mention here, angel is actually more of a job description than it is a supernatural species or class of being. An angel is a messenger. You can use that word to even refer to a person who's bringing a message. For example, an evangelist is someone who brings the message of the good news, the gospel. Notice that the word angel is right there in the word evangelist. And another example is Acts 12. This is when Peter was in prison. He worked a miracle to get Peter out so Peter goes to this house where some people had been praying for his release. And there's the, there's a girl there, a servant girl or someone who was there praying. Um, she goes to the door. It says in Acts 12, starting at verse 14, recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. So they didn't think Peter was actually standing there, and they said, don't bother going to the door, it's just his angel. Now, I don't know about you, if someone came to me and told me that there was a supernatural being sent from God manifesting at my front door, well, that would probably get me off the couch. So why are they so casual about it? It's because they aren't using angel to mean a specific type of divine being. They just think that this is a human messenger from Peter. So angel can be kind of used as a generic word for a messenger or representative. And I think here in the Bible, when it says the angel of the Lord, it it kind of means a representation of God, uh, even though it's not saying God himself, but it means just a, a manifestation of God. So let's recap some of the characteristics of the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, as we close down. He is interchangeable with God because Jesus is God. He speaks as God. He accepts worship. He accepts sacrifice. 
he engages in warfare. He was ready to kill Balaam. He brought a plague on Israel. I didn't take time to go there today, but if you read Isaiah 37 or 2 Kings 20, you're going to see the angel of the Lord literally manifesting and slaying a bunch of enemy soldiers who wanted to wipe out Jerusalem. And also the angel of the Lord stops showing up when the Old Testament ends. I believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. But by saying that, I've introduced a problem for you. I've introduced for you a very different picture of Jesus than what we have depicted in the New Testament. And I like introducing a problem like this because it gives me a chance to solve it. So let me just say, if you find it hard to reconcile the Old Testament angel of the Lord with the character and behavior of Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament, perhaps your problem is more of a misunderstanding of Jesus. I'm going to give you some applications from today's lesson to chew on. So first of all, I think that this enhances our understanding of God as a trinity. And many people might object and say, well, wait a minute, the angel of the Lord, well, that can't be Jesus or God because no one can see God and live. Well, as I said before, I think this applies more to God the Father, but not God in the form of Jesus. I mean, we do believe Jesus was God, right? So how do you think people looked at him and lived? Apparently, this inability to gaze upon God and survive it it seems to refer to God in a certain form, which I think is obviously God the Father in heaven. When God does need to interact in a personal way with humanity, he has another form that he appears in, and I think that's Jesus. A second application, I just want to say, if you think Jesus was not active until the New Testament, wrong. He is active all through the Old Testament, showing up in major, multiple Old Testament stories. Jesus is all through the whole Bible. Interestingly, the ancient Jews believed in a trinity of two when it came to God, which would obviously not be called a trinity. That They called it, uh, or we call it today, Jewish binatarianism. They believed that God was in two powers. One was visible and one was invisible. And they were on the right track, of course, when you bring the New Testament into it. We know now it's not just a, a binity, but it's a trinity, a God in three parts. So who is the visible God in the Old Testament? It's got to be Jesus all through the whole Bible, not just the New Testament. And then here's a third thing I want to say, just one last application. I think this challenges our views of Jesus, especially our cultural contemporary view of what I think is kind of a, a sissy hippie Jesus who just always made people feel the warm fuzzies that who would never hurt a fly. That is an inaccurate view of Jesus, whether you just look at him in the New Testament or not. If you listen to many modern people, you know, even some pastors who talk about Jesus today, they make him sound like this easygoing guy who never hurt anyone's feelings or never made them feel bad. They act like he only ever got mad at the religious people and that he was just friendly with everyone else. <laughs> well, that's wrong for more reasons than I have time to get into today. But that view is going to be especially hard to reconcile with the Old Testament appearances of Jesus that I presented today. He is a holy God who judges sin. He doesn't hand wave it away to pal around with sinners. Some people think that Jesus was a friendly version of God who was turning us away from the angry, wrathful God of the Old Testament. Nope. Jesus loved the God of the Old Testament. He always referred to him as Father. Jesus had no disagreement with the quote-unquote Old Testament God. Everything Jesus did was to save us from sin. But when people incurred God's wrath, Jesus would also be right there to dish it out. 
he is a holy God worthy of our reverence and fear. And if you think he's done being scary, let me just point out, Revelation is New Testament. Now, I did this lesson for our first episode because I love Jesus, and I just want to get to know him better. And it's my passion that you would know him better too. And if I'm going to try to get to know Jesus better, I need to know all of Jesus. Not just the Jesus presented to us through the Gospels, but Jesus everywhere he shows up in the Bible, because he is all through it. I want the whole Jesus, not just a sliver of the Bible's testimony about Jesus. So I hope your view of Jesus has been challenged and maybe even changed today. He is a loving and gracious and patient God. He is also to be revered and respected. My hope for you is that you see a new significance as you're reading your Bible when you see the angel of the Lord show up. If you're reading your Old Testament, you're going to run into him before long because he's all over the place. And now you know exactly who he is. My hope for you after listening to this program is that the Bible makes more sense than it did before you listened. And just to give you an example, I want to close out today with a verse from Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us an email to crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're going to have some more episodes coming out very soon. Uh, I have another one coming out next week on the Nazarite laws that are visible there in the book of Numbers chapter 6. What does it mean that someone would take a Nazarite vow? We'll answer that question next time. And then after that, what I'd really like to get into with this podcast is starting a Bible study going through one book of the Bible, just a little bit at a time, just to really take our time and soak in the verses as we come to them. Not trying to rush through a book of the Bible, but really just taking a long-form study of one particular book. That book is going to be Ezekiel, and we'll get into that starting with episode three. So we have big plans ahead, and I hope you'll subscribe and stick around with us. Thanks for listening today to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, do not eat the last Oreo. Oh, 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 o